ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the FT Podcast. We're back again, back again, and as always, sponsored by Akomi Paisley, with all your sushi needs, your ramen needs. The best crispy acai roll in Glasgow. (laughs) It is, it is, it's amazing. So if you need any Japanese cuisine, go and check out Akomi, and also check out, I did an interview with a high school musical icon, Coach Bolton himself, Bart Johnson. Go and check that out in the podcast feed. But someone who definitely has the music in her is AJ. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm actually quite... We were discussing our, our cross-trainer um, sort of lifestyles now. And I, I'm sitting here and my legs are sore. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know that way. And I don't know if it's because... It's a sign... I'm older than you, right? <laughs> uh, and I didn't believe people when they said aging like just starts to catch up with you without you really noticing it. I'm noticing it. I'm noticing it now. Yeah, yeah. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to my, my cardio days of old, you know what I mean? And this is going to be great. And it's, I, I know I'll get there. I'll be fine eventually. But it's like trying to get the, the, the rust off yeah. has been a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So what are you watching on the cross trainer? Well, I finished the new season of Black Mirror, mm-hmm. which I was going to do a full review on, but then I decided I really don't want to be super negative. I might still do it, but I've so you watched anything. Oh, wait, well, if you're going to do a full review on it, maybe don't tell me now. No, uh, like, not to spoil anything, I think it's a downgrade this season, 100%. Is it? Is yeah. Scottish people in it? The Scottish episode is good. My cousin's actually an extra. And oh. for former first time films guest at Amy Sherwood Road, you'll catch her uh, in some of the some of the shots there. But that works, but not as a Black Mirror episode. If you catch my drift, I just feel that the show. Do you know what's a great analogy of this, right? Have you kept up with the sort of Twitter discourse surrounding the Arctic Monkeys recently? No, I don't have Twitter. So basically, a lot of people who have bought tickets to the go to the gigs have complained because they've changed their style of music and they're not performing the old songs in the same way. Pebble and Teeny was getting a lot of criticism for doing a similar thing, right? This is what Black Mirror feels like. And normally I defend the artists in that situation. I'm like, oh, it's their right to change what they're doing. But now I'm on the receiving end of it. I get it. So what is the vibe now? It it just feels that they've tried to have less focus on technology, right? Mm -hmm. And more focus on... The, the dichotomy, and maybe I will do a few review in this to go through each of them in turn. The ones where they veer away from technology, you really need the strong story then to cover it and to make me feel yeah. the the tension and the suspense and the, oh my God, that's horrific sort of feeling you get with yeah. Black Mirror. You know what I mean? I never really got that. Or do it in a San Junipero way where you're making me feel like intense emotion and sort of yeah. joy by the end which they don't I remember do when it first was a thing it was like in like it was the most insane ideas you've ever heard of like no one would have ever thought any of that up yeah until it came to our screens and, and i have sort of seen similar reviews to yours where it's like just not the same yeah and that's the problem at all I, f- I felt like i'd seen it all before and the one episode where you would say technology is really at the center of that it was too depressing because i know it's, it's coming and it was to do with AI and television. And yeah. I was like... Oh, was it about AI? Interesting. Yeah. And Especially considering what's going on right now, the dip in TV and the writer's strike and all that. AJ, I'm telling you, it was a miserable viewing. 
or someone who I'll definitely not watch it because I've got I've already got the TV fear right now. So. <laughs> yeah, for someone who makes a living in that industry. Yeah, I've like, got the TV fear. So I keep telling everyone, this. they're like, oh, what are you doing for the rest of the year? I'm like, I'm going to go work in Lush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's personality elsewhere. It's a, it is a really tough time. Um, but anyway, on to brighter pastures, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I, basically, we've been talking about doing something for Pride Month, like a yeah. show throughout this, right? And I realised that it was five years on from when Love, Simon came out. Mm -hmm. So I texted AJ and I was like, let's do a classic first thing films episode. We'll talk about the movie for the first time because about background for me, right, this was the first sort of mainstream, it was was actually the first film by a major Hollywood studio to have a gay teenage romance, right? So it was a milestone movie. And I do remember really being affected by it. I wrote a blog about it at the time, about like how effective. Yeah, I you it, were all all over it. I was because it was the first time a part of me had felt seen. You know what I mean? And there were yeah. things that I hadn't even spoke to anyone about before because it's like you ha- you don't really notice them. It's sort of subconscious thing. You know what I mean? And I just really felt the power of that sitting in the cinema watching it for the first time. So I, I came into this movie having loved it and having it as somewhat of a comfort film for me over the years. But what about you? What were your experiences with Love, Simon? I just remember the hype about it and everyone was so excited because, like you said, it was one of... it was. I think it, the thing is, there's a lot of controversy around the film mm-hmm. now, like you said, five years after when it came out. But at the time when it came out, it did feel revolutionary compared to what was out at the time. Yeah. Now, looking back, like... It wasn't it like for me definitely it wasn't the first mm-hmm. like queer teen rom com of its time like mm-hmm. well it it wasn't the first but it definitely felt like the most mainstream and also yeah. the most accessible because it came out in the cinemas and like everyone wanted to go see it not just people who related to it or related to the story like people wanted to go see it because it was in the cinemas because everyone was talking about it because it was marketed like. Mm-hmm. And I and and uh, so it didn't feel like you had to go away and watch a little like like indie queer rom com or totally. like go w- find something in a different language or whatever and go go see something that was maybe a bit older. It was current. It was fresh. It was based on a book that was also really popular, and I think that's what made it so current for us. Like mm. it came out at a time where there was there was stuff like it, but not that mainstream and not with that much coverage and not with well what was an up-and-coming actors in it totally 100 percent. you're right like it, the budget's disputed in the movie uh, some reports have it somewhere between 10 and 17 million dollars which is a bit of a discrepancy right uh, it brought in 66.3 million so it's made a substantial profit Either way, like the top or the bottom end of that budget, it has made a strong profit for the studio. So people did go and see it. Yeah. I think what's interesting that you talk about is how the argument about whether it's revolutionary or not. And I think the Rotten Tomatoes consensus gives us a wee hint here because it says Love Simon hits its coming of age beats more deftly than many entries in this well traveled genre and represents an overdue, if not entirely successful, milestone of uh, inclusion. Uh, and there's another review that I, I can't remember who wrote it now that says the sort of strength of, yeah, this is the one, it was from Peter 
uh, De Bruges from Variety, who said it was groundbreaking on so many levels, not least of which is just otherwise familiar to all seems. And yeah. I think that's I think the, that's the key with this, isn't it? Yeah, because it doesn't, it feels like you're watching, but then again, that's again part of the controversy of it. It feels like mm. you're watching any American teen rom com of the time yeah. with a gay male, male main character dropped in. Like, totally. and, and it's still got like his pals are sometimes a bit shit. Mm. He's also we'll into that. <laughs> as, as he's finding himself, he's also a bit of a shitty person, and then he sort of tries to come around to it. But it doesn't feel like, even though it's clearly LGBT focused, a film, it still just does feel like a teen rom com, like a fun teen relatable rom com. It doesn't feel very um, like politically charged. It's more, totally. it's more like a of a fluff fun film. Totally and. We did an episode on rom-coms not long ago. You're like, that, that's what you, you want a rom-com for a lot of the time, you know what I mean? Like, we, and that is kind of why I always, def- we're going to get into the film itself and watching back, right, it's not perfect, but I kind of laugh at some of the stuff. <laughs> um, but what I do like about the movie is you're going to have a place for your big epic sort of, LGBT, like you said, politically charged I think is uh-huh. a great word. And there's going to be movies that will come at it from that angle. And then there's going to be your tragic romances that are all that are tired out as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get something like Bros that comes along, uh, like yeah. last year, which is also completely different and probably tries to hit a bit more of the beats that this movie does not. Yeah. But I do think that that's what I like about this film, is that familiarity and in terms of a step forward for a major studio to do this for the first time, like that—that's what's the positives about it. But we're going to let's get into the film itself, all right? So we get the opening monologue where Simon is like Simon says, "Pardon the pun." He's like, yeah. "I'm just like you, great friends, great life, everything's perfect." His sister is a shit, sometimes good cook, um, and then he's like, "I'm gay. I have a secret. I'm gay." So. This leads to there's there's an online confession site and someone posts that under the pseudonym Blue and they say it feels like I'm sort of stuck in a Ferris wheel. I have this secret I'm gay, no one knows. And Simon reaches out under the pen name Jacques, which is a shit pen name. I don't know why uh, he decides that he's going to use that. But they have this connection and they're emailing each other back and forth and it's all good. What did you make of this? first part of the movie with the, the sort of like uh, romance by way of email and it's all very 2018 <laughs> yeah no I think it, it was like when it came out no one would be emailing people like, <laughs> so it did it did date it a little bit but then also you're like oh they're in high school so maybe they had like you know how when you were in like high school you would like because obviously we're we're not American we don't know what they're like no. but you know how when you're in high school you would have like MSN that was email chat yeah. Or, like, what else did we have? Like, you know how you'd have, like, your high school chat thing? What was it called? Oh, called, don't called, even start me, because I can't remember it. Called, like, note. It was something like notes or something like that. But it was, like, yeah. online. Yeah, glow? yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it called Glow? Glow, well, yeah, Glow, yeah. And there was other ones after yeah, our time and stuff like that. each other on that. And it was, yeah. like, a no- kind of anonymous, but you had your, like, school email. Yeah. There was always yeah. stuff like that. So it's, like, it is 
yes, it, it like now it's dated because would you not just like WhatsApp? But back in the day, you had yeah. then you had a BBM. Also, it's the only way to have. And I can't say yeah. and, 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 oh my god I hate it this time of night from yeah. getting me on but like if you use WhatsApp like the argument is like okay they would you have to yeah. yeah exactly Facebook and stuff like that so short of you know actual handwritten letters back and forth which is never going to happen uh-huh. um, it's good but it's strange you point out we're not American right what do what are your thoughts generally in these sort of American high school like obviously we meet the three friends the family live in a nice sort of suburban neighbourhood nice house the typical high school with the cookie vice principal you know what I mean like yeah. what do you, do you think that is this your picture of an American high school like yeah, what do you have in your head it's not like it, it it stems from high school musical onwards that it's just constantly yeah. repeated to you like this is what American high school is like where it's like you've got the bullies you've got the jocks you've got all the different cliques yeah and then like the teachers are like it's all like happy bubbly but there's a undercurrent of weird stuff going on I feel like that's literally everything every American high school thing mm. starts the same way like there's like Riverdale clueless like it's all the same similar massive so massive must, glee vibes must well. be based on truth if they're all it, like that it must be it must be like obviously we've got the theater kids doing theater stuff you know yeah. um his pal is uh, uh nick is a, a soccer player as they would call it mm-hmm. even though i hate hate saying that word i can't believe it's left my mouth but <laughs> there's a lot of problems with this movie right i'm going right. to get into the biggest pain in the arse when watching this film i don't think i've hated a character as much as martin now the plot develops because stupidly simon leaves himself logged in on the school computer and martin comes across it and then blackmails simon into saying oh you need to help me get with abby or i'm going to leak my secret oh my god oh my god i i absolutely hate this character I hate this entire, I kind of, I understand the story there because it's like conflict and this is what drives the narrative throughout the movie, right? But I, I hate watching it and I hate every time he's on screen. Like, am, am I being too harsh on the guy? Or do you share this feeling? No, I think he's he's like the baddie in the story, really. Yeah, but is he? Cause I don't know. They try and, rede- right, here's the thing, right? See, the, for me, one of the worst things that anyone could do is like to blackmail someone and threaten uh-huh. them, like outing yeah. them, you know what I mean, before it's their time. Because that's that's a very personal thing for for yeah. anyone to do. And they get to that with Simon, he basically gives them the right act later, it's not your choice, right? Uh-huh. I don't have an issue with sort of telling that story and villainizing that character. But the movie seems to try and redeem him. Yeah. E- e- every Which turn. Is Which is worse. And that that's what that's what really grinds my gears. Yeah, like, not, the, he literally outs him. And then they're like yeah. He's just the chat. He's just the kid. He doesn't know what he's done. Right, and then oh, he's paid some money for the last Ferris wheel ride at the end. I'm yeah. like, shut, shut the fuck up, right? Honestly, buys like, him it, one more ride. <laughs> buys him one more ride, and the most egregious part of the movie, right, is in oh. the the diner scene, right, at the Waffle House. Yeah, where he he shouts out like in top of the table that Abby's like worth something. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah. That's bad enough. That's cringy enough, right? But then they drop like the emotional music beat. Like the the movie is clearly geared to make you root for Martin at that point in time. No, and I'm like, 
I mean, yeah. I don't think I ever rooted for him because I, I wasn't paying attention to him in the story. I'm just like, oh, yeah, you played your part. You made our boy come out. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is this is really where you question, and maybe one of the biggest yeah. criticisms of it is like how many gay people were in the room when that sort of decision well, was made. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's a few decisions. Like, another one is like the way he treats the what's his name, the other gay guy. What's his name? Oh my god, Ethan. 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 So the way Simon treats Ethan and the way mm-hmm. that Martin behaves and all of this and the way his friends behave, none of that is addressed, which I always I've obviously never read the book, but when I was watching the film, I was like, oh surely like this will get addressed and Simon will apologize to the way he was with Ethan and mm-hmm. Martin will apologize and it'll become some sort of big like apology and all of that. But it does it doesn't really and then I think that by not doing that, it's allowed maybe straight people who watch it to think that oh, as long as they didn't actually mean it that bad that it's okay to behave that way yeah because the 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 best character in the movie right is the teacher and i need to remember her name right miss albright right played by natasha rothwell because she takes no shit throughout this movie and she's the most hilarious character in this entire film and she comes back and <laughs> love victor the tv show actually she's like one of the characters that crosses over between the two which I think is marvellous, but she reads Two Bullies, the riot act at one point during the movie, right? Yeah. And then we see Tony Hale, who's the the vice principal, just lets them off with an apology after yeah. that. And I'm kind of like, okay, so no real consequences there. It's interesting when you talk about uh, Ethan, because yeah. I think that Simon's sort of biggest criticism, but I also understand it from a sort of character level, is that he's lying at one point in the movie, it's like, oh, I don't get why he makes it. Which... Yeah, he I, makes it Yeah, and it's clearly meant to be sort of internalised homophobia. Yeah, well, I mean? that's the thing, but, I, like, isn't that's why I wish it was addressed, because, yeah, it is internalised mm. homophobia, and then also he does that whole dance yeah. bit, where he's like, oh, am I gay? And then he's, like, dream- he's thinking about him at college and how he'll be out at college, and he's, like, dancing around with a pride flag. And then he's like, oh, well, maybe I'm not that gay. And I just feel like that, mixed with the way he treats Ethan, mixed with the way he yeah. talks about women before he, re- before he comes out, all mm. of that sort of makes him relatable to straight people, but also mm-hmm. makes him palatable to straight people. That he's yeah. not that gay and he's not like he's not like that. He's like a cool gay guy, he's a palatable gay guy, he's the kind of gay guy that you would still be friends with. And that totally. that is like the opposite of what the film is trying to do. So that sort of it's a weird like crossroads where it's yes, you're trying to make a rom com that's still like a rom com by making mm. your main character really likable and really like yeah. a normal teenager, but at the same time it's un it's undoing some of its good work by doing that because he never actually reconciles with his internalized homophobia. Yeah, totally. He never actually apologizes to the way he treats people. He just sort of gets on with it as part of his journey. I think there's three things in what you said there I think it's a, a perfect point three the the first thing that I'll say right I think that's a good allegory for the entire film because we talked about they've taken a very familiar formula and they've just applied it and put a straight man within a familiar construct you know what I mean yeah which and it will make it palatable as you said everyone wanted to come and see this film right 
Now, we can argue the merits of that and that you're getting people into the cinema and it might educate some. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the yeah. merit of it. But then also, is it uh, turning something that should be inherently queer into something that's heteronormative? Because you need to weigh up then what the result is. Because, yeah, you're making a really popular film with... Mm-hmm queer representation that is palatable to mainstream audiences that more people will get to see so then yeah. more people will be exposed to this representation but then on the other hand is it the is it uh, the right representation because are you mm-hmm. are you then perpetuating this stereotype that some people are too gay or some people are too out there or some people yeah. do make it too easy for them to be bullied because they're not the right kind of gay or they're just totally. a bit too out there and they're just a bit too much and it's mm-hmm. creating this sort of thing that there is a, a specific type of white gay men that's acceptable but then maybe other gay people are not mm. shouldn't be involved or shouldn't be included in that sort of palatable queerness that the, sh- that the film's trying to create? It's hard, I think, because I, I also do see it from another angle, because the first mm-hmm. thing, right, that dance sequence, I actually, I, I, every time I watch it, it does make me smile, because I like the dance yeah. sequence itself, not the line that follows it, but the Whitney Houston dance is quite fun, because yeah. he, he's a terrible dancer. God bless Nick Robinson, right? But he can't dance for shit. And I don't know if that's a choice that they make, but like it always just makes me smile, right? The other thing is, I think that Simon's experience will speak to some, you know what I mean? No, definitely. It definitely speaks to a more confused person who's, who is only surrounded by other straight people and doesn't really, like, it's, it do, definitely gives baby gay. Yeah. But, but also as well, I think there's, there's a thing in gay culture where it's like, this is sort of what gay culture is. You know what yeah. I mean? And for a lot of people, like, the great thing about that is, is that we're, it's sort of like a community, right? That's why they call it a community. Yeah. But also, when you sort of boil it down, like, sexuality doesn't define sort of every area of life, right? And no. that's sort of where we would like to sort of get to in cinema where we're telling stories that are all across the board, right? Yeah. I think the problem isn't necessarily that here in the way that they portray Simon. It's that all the other stuff is never addressed. I think yeah. you bring up a great point with Ethan that if that character hadn't just been like the sort of part of the Joker, look how the bullies are treating this guy, you know what I mean? And, and to be fair, he gives do see Ethan have agency in this movie which oh, yeah. is something he definitely gives it back but yeah. Simon's reaction towards it like should mm. have maybe been rethought towards the end totally they have the moment outside the principal's office which yeah. is probably the missed opportunity if we were to sort of flashpoint this right I hate using the flash as an example for anything right but if we were to go back in time and change one bit about this movie to try and improve that aspect of it that conversation between Simon and Ethan could have yeah. been done a lot better. And I'd love to see you write it to resolve a lot of these issues. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the stuff that you want to see put into this movie, while it's hard, we understand, right? We have made stuff in the past. To get something into like a, a two-hour movie, get everything in there is really tough. And no one's ever managed yeah. it. But if you're to get condense the stuff that you're talking about and the address that... Simon, there is a bigger universe beyond you, and uh-huh. your story is not universal to the entire gay experience. Yeah. 
that would probably be better. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm loving this already. This is it's the most yeah. engaging podcast we've done in a long time. I hope everyone. It's definitely this. no. It's a great film, and it's a great, it's a great like stepping stone for mm-hmm. some for for young people to be able to see that kind of representation, especially when it came yeah. out five years ago, and now it has opened like as much as it wasn't the first of the game, it has opened doors to much bigger and better things for queer representation in mainstream cinema, especially teen. Boy rom-coms and shows like there's so much of it now that love simon can could be said to attributed to but at the same time i think we've learned from the mistakes of love simon Mm. and we've given our cat like queer characters more complex relationships with their identity because he does obviously have turmoil about it but at the end of the day it's not it's a it has a positive kind of pause, well, yeah, positive outcome and not many bad things happen but that's because totally. it's meant to be a fun teen rom-com and why would bad things happen but I think it just maybe needed a tiny tiny bit more self-reflection because obviously yeah. it's the it, the people who will watch that and the age group that it's meant for are in their most impressionable stage of life yeah and we're going to get into the, when we, we're going to go back to the pot now, right? But we're going to get into the things that go wrong and should they necessarily have played out the way that they did? So uh-huh. I think that's an interesting question. But he starts this and um, this relationship with Martin to try and help him get Abby at the Halloween party. He dressed as John Lennon um, and um, his, his pal um, dresses as Yoko Ono. Uh, Leah, interesting. Uh, and then Nick, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to get all the names right. It's hard here, right? Nick dresses as Ronaldo uh, and Abby dresses as Wonder Woman. They go to the party. The party seems good. And this is where the mystery of it comes in because he first suspects that Bram might be blue. But yeah. then he sees Bram uh, kissing someone that night. It goes home. Leah stays over. And Simon's obviously wow. drunk. Um, and Leah has this conversation with Simon about loving one person too much. And yeah. Simon sort of shrugs it off. And this is the first hint to us, the audience, that Leah is in love with Simon. Yeah. Right. This is probably the plot point I really didn't need. Like, I don't know what about you, but yeah. I, I'm not here for it. It didn't really make any sense. No. But also, I think the reason they put it in is because there is sort of a trope in life that, like, straight girls fall in love with their gay friends. So I think yeah. it was maybe meant to be like, oh... It's the will and grace of it all, isn't it? Like it is, yeah, it's basically like you can still be friends even if it doesn't work out kind of thing. But I just don't think it was necessary to the plot of the film at all. Yeah, and it makes... When we talk about what comes later, right? Mm-hmm. Leah does not have an axe to grind with Simon, in my opinion, whatsoever. Yeah. Out of all of them. Maybe a bit when we get into the nitty-gritty of it, right? But... I just think that it would have been stronger for Leah's character not to have had this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not everyone needs to be sort of romantically involved. Not everyone needs to be romantically interested in their best friends. You know what I mean? I get yeah. them in high school. I get all that. But I just was like, oh, every time I have it, I'm just like, no. So I get the Waffle House scene after that. Um, and then he thinks it's the Waffle House employee, Lyle, that might be able to. And then it's like, oh, my God. So... We then get the first coming out scene of the movie, and there are plenty, uh, which we will get into, which is true to life, isn't it? 
I think this film shows that that it's like like see that do you remember that when the advert came out when it was like why why do gay people have to come out why is it assumed that everyone's mm-hmm. free and then it's all his friends coming out to their parents yeah 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 remember that ad like everyone was like oh my god that's so funny ha 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 and then i was just like well it is funny but not in the way that you think it's funny because yeah. like you literally do like every single person you meet assumes that you're straight and then when you say something like for example if i'm at work and i say oh yeah my girlfriend heather they're mm-hmm. like oh my god i didn't know you were gay that's so interesting i'm like why is interesting and also lets me just come out again for the five millionth time totally <laughs> nah exactly it's yeah it's tough and especially at the, the sort of first coming out stage as well oh yeah like, like it was it's it's constant because it's not just coming out to one person we see this as well it's the coming out then it's the follow-up conversation yeah. then it's the questions they forgot to ask it that bit yeah are do you like me no (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you fancy anyone in our friend group no who do you (laughs) what celebrities do you fancy (laughs) oh i got that classic classic like oh my god who's the best looking in our friend group i got that i I sometimes get that to this day yeah not gonna lie I was at a stag last week and I still, I still, but has it changed? That was the question. They were like, has it changed since then? I was like, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not answering that now. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is, that is terrible. Um, but also it's people's sort of natural curiosity, which I think it's yeah. funny because people will watch this movie in different ways to, to which we will. You know what I mean? People will be sort of surprised by that, I think, rather than someone who's went through it. You know what I mean? So it's a different, it's a different thing, different thing for different people. But it, it comes it comes out to Abby, um, and she's really positive about it. It's nice, um, and then we get in the big scene at the football game. Oh my god, this is cringe. So, um, it's the football game. Simon is trying to flirt with Lyle, and it's terrible. Um, yeah. And then Lyle's like, oh, is, is Abby interested? And he's like, oh, it's obviously not you. So he's upset and he goes in and then goes and sits next to Nick and Leah. And at this point, he's got them, convinced them to go on a date with each other to try and stop Abby and Nick getting together. It all yeah. gets very complicated. But basically, the national anthem starts. Sidebar. <laughs> I, I love the American national anthem, so I'm very upset with this interruption. I, I just think it's a good tune. <laughs> <laughs> He interrupts it. Martin starts to proclaim his love for Abby over the microphone, much to everyone's cringe. Yeah. She rejects him and doves fly away. And Martin is the subject of ridicule. And if this was the end of Martin's story, I would have been satisfied as a viewer. I would yeah. have been. But something I thought about while watching this in the cross training was is Martin and this scene meant to be sort of making fun of straight rom-com tropes because you could imagine the hero yeah straight rom-com doing this and it going well you know what i mean yeah well i think it's meant to be that he's like because obviously he then goes on to be a bit more of a villain it's just showing that he's a bit like playing on straight rom-com tropes and doesn't work out for him yeah he thinks he is the hero of his own story he thinks he's he's the Heath Ledger in this 10 things i hate about you that's exactly what I was thinking about as yeah. well, by the way. Like, it, it it screams that. It really it does scream that. And I'm just like, oh, goodness. Um, 
But the most villainous thing Martin does, it's not even the outing itself, AJ. He does it on Christmas Eve, which... That's I what don't... I was about to say, Christmas Eve. Should he go to jail for this? Like, honestly, yeah. like, like yeah. you know what I mean? On the <laughs> eve of Jesus's birthday. Imagine the stress. Imagine the stress. Like, it's already a stressful enough situation, yeah. but it's maybe, like, the nicest night of the year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that pricks... Fair enough, right, I, I can see if we're dissecting this right mm-hmm. i understand you're upset and you have a means to get the attention away from you right like maybe at a far stretch i can understand that motivation uh-huh. but you wait to january 2nd yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like you yeah. wait <laughs> it's a sacred time oh it's a fucking joke but anyway his sister sees it he's, he sort of goes off of the sister of it and she's crying because she's not sure what to do uh, and the next morning he comes out to his mum and dad. Now, the interest, that's a very interesting thing here, right? Because uh-huh. I happen to love Justa Hummel and Jennifer Gardner in this movie. Uh-huh. I just think they're very likeable actors. I think they're playing parts very likeably. We have uh-huh. the coming out scene and the dad starts to have a, a joke. Uh, I can't remember the specific line he says, but the daughter starts to scream at him, Dad, do you ever shut up? And the dad's uh-huh. just sort of like taking what do you feel in that moment like in terms of like this coming out scene because i I understand i understand maybe it should be sort of tender but also the dad trying to sort of joke about it is clearly his way of trying to like i think it yeah because i want to have a softer moment later on yeah with simon so i think it is a natural reaction like like, it's an awkward thing for everyone involved to come out <laughs> to your parents, especially when you feel like you're forced to. So yeah. the dad is obviously just trying to make light of the situation, whether it works or not. Like, that is um, what dads do. So I'm I think gonna... it doesn't need to be the tender moment then, because it, it, they end up all having a tender moment later on. Totally. I feel bad for Josh to hum on that moment. Like, I really do. <laughs> he screamed out the room. I'm like, ah, man, the guy's like trying to be, you know what I mean? He's just defused it for everyone, you yeah. know what I mean? Making everyone feel a bit more levity about it. I was like, God, that's a, that's a damn shame. I actually agree. It's funny, right? That I'm going to tell this. I don't know if I've ever told this on a podcast before. Right. So I came out to my parents probably six months after I came out to my friends, right? Uh-huh. I didn't feel a need, is basically why. I was kind of like, it's not going to affect my life, <laughs> like, like I'm out to you just yet, so it's fine, you know what I mean? Like, anyone I'm sort of socialising with knows, so it's like, <laughs> that was not a mad break. But we, sat, we watched Emmerdale, they were watching Emmerdale one night, and I was sat with them. There's a bisexual character there, and my mum just turns around, glass away, and she's like, I'm not sure about these bisexuals, I think they're all just a bit greedy, you know what I mean? <laughs> And in spite of that comment, I just said, well, you're sitting next to one fucking right now. (laughs) What did she say? My dad said you owe me a tenner to my mum. That's a good good way for you to make light of it. So, well, that's kind of how I feel like, sorry for the dad in that moment, because I was kind of like, yeah. And I get the sisters being defensive, but just let that play out. It would have been fine. I mean, we'd all, we'd all, we'd all, everyone's so serious about it all there. But anyway, um, so he comes out to his parents. It's all sort of fine, but um, his pals confront him. And this is really the sort of controversial thing for me about the film, right? This is where they're just shit. 
They're so shit. And I, un- so shit. I understand, right, he has deceived them, like, outside of, like, the, the sort of coming out thing, right? Because that's not deception. Um, he's deceived them and said, oh, he, she likes someone else. He doesn't like her. You you like him. You should date. You shouldn't date. You should go with Martin. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he's had to do that whole debacle. But you'd think, AJ, when he says, I have been blackmailed into doing this, yeah. they would understand. I just have a choice. Yeah. What do you think about them as people? <laughs> like, all, but then the thing is, you have to like you have to give into this fact that the whole point is that they're teenagers and teenagers are horrific and only care about themselves and are so mm. selfish. And in that moment, they're angry that Simon didn't tell them first, did all of this to cover it up. They're not thinking about his feelings at all, or the or like the safety issues that come yeah. in high school. They're literally just thinking about themselves. But that's not an excuse. They're just shit pals. Apparently in the book, they're much better. But in this, they're shit pals. It's like manufactured drama is what I don't like about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, he clearly, even after like the bullying incident in the cafeteria, yeah. like he clearly needs his fucking friends right now. And he might have done, he could have done things a bit better, but you are being shitheads more than he was. That is, that, and even Leah, when she, it's funny, she's like, you bring up that point. Where she's like, oh, why don't you tell me first I'm your best friend? I'm like, what a shitty thing to say. Like, you've well, already... The he didn't tell you because he was being blackmailed? Yeah, and he, you know what I mean? Like, you've already made him feel bad enough because you were in love with him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> then, then you come out. Like, that is why I, I understand Abby and uh, Nick a bit more. You know what I mean? I get them a bit more because he has actively tried to keep them apart and deceive them, right? Leah has no axe to grind whatsoever. And it's my biggest bugbear in this movie is Catherine Langford's character. Catherine Langford, nice actress, I have no issue with her, you know what I mean? I hope she goes on to do great things in her career. But her character in this, I would happily see removed. You know what I mean? (laughs) I would, because it wouldn't affect the plot. It really would not affect the plot. Arguably, AJ, it would make the movie better. That is my. I agree because her her character is just a bit meh and also like whiny. So whiny. A whiny character. Yeah, because uh, Simon tells us uh, her at one point, "You're the coolest kid in our school," and I'm just thinking, "No, she's not." You know what I mean? Like, what? Do you guess up a Yoko Ono at Halloween? Like, that's not <laughs> doesn't make her the coolest kid in school. I was kidding. What the fuck? So. During all of this, Blue is like, eh, the emails have been leaked, I'm not ready for this, bye, and just sort of leave Simon behind, right? So yeah. that, that leads us to the aforementioned chat in the cafeteria with Ethan, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, but we really, the two my two favourite scenes in the movie and the two that made me cry in the cinema were the tender moments with um, the mum and dad, the sort yeah. of one-on-one scenes. Jennifer Gardner's is phenomenal. Like the line she delivers, like the when you came out, you said to me, I'm still me. Like I need you to hear this, you're still you. I, I, I thought that that line kills me each and every single yeah. time. I think it's brilliant. And then Josh the Hubble, just sort of like the dad who is crying and can't deal with his emotions that well. You know what I mean? And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, I hope I just love you and all that. And I'm like, you're not really saying anything, but it's such an accurate representation of like the arc of, of the dad, of like the, the Disney like, dad. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so nice. But I also think at this point in the movie, because you spoke earlier about sort of not enough going wrong and maybe it does paint 
too sort of perfect a picture and tie a bow in a lot of things. Like, do you think all of this was needed at this point, or like, do you understand it in the context of this film? No, I think it, the thing is, the film isn't meant to be like we've had enough films with bad endings for queer characters. The film is meant to be nice, heartwarming, and do you know what? I think the fact that his friends are arseholes are enough of a consequence. <laughs> Yeah, to be oh. fair, like, like the very least that this guy can get is a break at home. Like he's you know getting bullied. I mean? His friends attach him. Like, I think he needs a break at this point. Moore does go. He's getting shit breakfast is fifty percent of the time, as yeah. we know, with that sister. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like she needs to up her game with the breakfast burritos every day. I'm thinking because that that looked good. I had to say, but anyway, after all the mystery of it. It turns out that it is Bram who is blue. They have the lovely meet cute, whatever you want to call it, in the Ferris wheel. They go up and they have their their lovely kiss and all that. Like out of the we've kind of scanned past the mystery element of it, but it, it kind of like it was hard to track, and we knew we were going to get that sort of curveball here or there. Do you remember being happy with the reveal that it was Bram? And what did you think about like the whole sort of situation in the Ferris wheel and all that? I just thought the, the the fact that it was in front of everyone was really weird. So weird. <laughs> also, it's meant to be. It's meant. I think it's meant to be reminiscent of like the end of Greece, where all the friends are there. <laughs> 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 like yeah. I think it's meant to be reminiscent of that sort of where like there's no privacy in high school kind of thing. Mm. But I did think it was weird that everyone was there. I also think it was weird that he kind of like after being blackmailed, he kind of didn't really. Well, he did give whoever blue was a choice but he was like meet me at the ferris wheel like yeah good point <laughs> like like basically saying out yourself or don't kind of yeah. thing yeah that is a very good point which i thought was a bit weird because like oh yeah i've been blackmailed was me now either you come out or like well obviously he didn't say he would out them because he would never no he just and he didn't know like, show who you are in front of everyone i think it's there's one way to look the non sort of cynical way because I kind of I feel myself agreeing with you right could yeah. say it's the, gra- it's the grand gesture of love but kind of you've made fun of that with the Martin thing at the football game yeah. earlier so then uh-huh. it kind of feels like the movie's trying to have its cake and eat it too like yeah. if the loose slash Ram had maybe just showed up at his door it wouldn't have been the sort of rom-com happy ending that maybe we all deserve but it might have been a bit I don't know more special more tender moment might have been don't know, um, but I, I, I like um, I like what's their face say, Keen Lonsdale. I like you know what I mean. Happy with this this choice. I think uh-huh. yeah, yeah, good, good, good stuff all round. Happy ending. So, but we've sort of we've skirted the issue. This obviously came out two thousand and eighteen. What do you think the main sort of points have been after that? Where have we improved since Love Simon? in terms of gay representation in mainstream cinema? I think I don't I think Love Simon is obviously like a very like not style like romantic not romanticized, but like it's very like they have just dropped a queer character into which was what was already a very popular high school rom com format. Mm. And because of that, that's where most of its problem arises because you can't really like it's really difficult to navigate that as a queer character without making some mistakes 
and mm. and not like give not giving justice to what it is to sort of find yourself as a queer person. But I think it it, it for the mainstream film that it is, it does give it a good go. Yeah, totally. It's it's also t- it's tough to evaluate it as well though because in terms of mainstream releases, right? We we look at and I'm I'm actually I'm trying to find like a, a good list for this, right? But the two that immediately spring to mind are actually biopics, right? And I think one does it better than the other. And it's the Rocket Man versus Bohemian Rhapsody debate. Yeah. Right? In terms of like big mainstream studio releases that have got a lot of money behind them. Because I've talked to my my fucking mouse bleeding, right? About how I really dislike the fact how Freddie Mercury's sexuality is simplified, quote unquote, for straight audiences in that movie. I agree. I agree. Because he very clearly a bisexual man, like he's documented. uh And it sort of just says, nope, you're gay, Freddie. That's the line. It's left there. It's fucked. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's. uh, it's tough to swallow that, but I actually think that Rocketman does it better because you do show Elton as an out and proud gay man, like sort of unapologetic, brilliant, but also it's kind of like it's not really the story there. Like there's a lot more sort of behind it. And I think that's where we're sort of getting to where we can see, and not necessarily the way that Love Simon does it, but we can just see gay lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, like whatever characters incorporated in mainstream movies in a way yeah. that that they just belong there. You know what I'm saying with that? Like the Love Simon was a milestone and it felt like an event and this is like the first right. But the first the second shouldn't take too long to come. You know yeah. what I mean? We should be moving forward. Like what what have you enjoyed like the past couple of years in terms of like queer cinema? Well, when I think about like things that are similar to Love Simon, I don't really mm. know what sort of jumps to mind. Maybe Booksmart. Yeah, Booksmart's great. But Booksmart, there's a queer character in there, and it's a lot more realistic in terms of how messy it is and coming to mm. terms with self internalized hetrophobia, how weird it is, like mm. to start just saying that you like girls out of nowhere kind of thing. And I thought that was a great, like, sapphic version of it yeah. but also when I think of things that are so much love sign the main thing that jumps to my mind isn't a, isn't a film it's Heartstopper Heartstopper yeah which is like my favourite like just it's so but the thing is I think it does what Love Simon is trying to do in a British way but also um, it's executed a bit better because it's yeah. it's heartwarming and it's fluffy and it's and it's cookie and it's cute and there's all the little drawings and and the characters mm. are so sweet but it also it hits all those notes of representation really like they they really do go through all the characters go through such a journey and such mm. a self-reflection and especially like the the main oh, character yeah. um nick is that is, is it, yeah his name is yeah i think it's nick yeah yeah the ginger one he he is very much like Simon is in Love Simon. He doesn't. He starts off thinking he's straight, and then he's like, "Well, actually, no, I think I might be bi." And then he goes from being this like mm-hmm. big, like popular rugby guy to being like, "I actually think I might have been a bad person before," and now he's like starting to realize that, like, there's 
this other way of being that isn't this macho heteronormative way that he can he can be gay but also like be himself which is like the totally. biggest part of his journey totally 100 he's, he's totally battling with that do i need to still like can i still be like a lad's lad and still mm. be a gay guy or bisexual as he ends up being and kill it can i still is there a way to be myself and be all of these things yeah. and that's kind of what love simon tries to do but it doesn't really quite quite hit the nail on the head when it comes to like self-reflection in the end totally. so the end he totally get he gets the guy and it's a happy ending but he's not really dealt with what it means to have a queer identity and and how like the, the journey he's been on totally. like he has little moments with his mum and dad but it's not quite as in-depth as what i like what you want it to be basically like all that film needs is for him to sit down and have a conversation either with one one of his friends or with ethan basically saying this is how i felt this whole time this is how i feel like this is this is what i'm trying to do now moving forward and that like that two minute conversation would have fixed it all i think because then we would have known more about what what his intentions and what he was thinking and how he's feeling now whereas totally. i think you're just left to assume a lot whereas in heartstopper we definitely like as they're texting each other as they're texting their friends as they're like writing in the diary or doing a voiceover we get to know the characters more about their in internal sort of turmoil mm, definitely and i think you put the nail on the head earlier like i think there's a very easy way to improve this movie um like you were you were pointing out you pointed that out beautifully i actually think do you know the biggest problem with this movie that, that it'll encounter in this sort of area is that it's a movie and i think that's what heartstopper but just by being a television show and having more time to sort of explore all of this stuff, like you can go into the complexities of it. And also, Heartstopper has Olivia Coleman, which is always great for any show. Uh -huh. I mean. So exactly. she's, she's a national treasure. Actually, before we go, one of the biggest sort of questions and issues surrounding queer characters in cinema, I feel was accentuated by Heartstopper mm -hmm. and the debate surrounding Kit Connor, who played Nick, right? Yeah. Because there's this intense debate going on a very intense debate and it, it should be a serious conversation about should mm -hmm. queer characters be played by queer people right and i feel everyone's entitled to a point of view on that right but the conversation got so toxic and a lot of anger was sort of directed at heartstopper specifically the kit yeah. corner felt pressured to sort of come out as by uh -huh. before he was ready to do so so I just what what are your sort of thoughts in that issue and that discourse and how how do you see it being sort of resolved as we go forward? It's a tough question, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so I think before, like when I was at uni, I was very much of the thought that like queer actors should play queer characters mm. and like that because it makes more jobs for queer actors. And yeah. like obviously that was my like very strong stance, but now like before the stuff with Heartstopper happened but obviously more in result of it like I feel like it's something you can't vet <laughs> like I, I like exactly it's like tough. You, can't, you can't say oh we should let queer people play straight characters but only queer people can play queer characters and because we can't vet people's sexuality because it's not our business it's not our mm -hmm. like fair enough if if 
there is an out queer person who's perfect for a role, cast them, obviously. Yeah. And they're perfect for the role. But for in the case of Heartstopper, where they're all all the actors are very young, if yeah. not minors, but also like Kit Connor was like 18, 19. Yeah, he's 19 now, so even younger, yeah. 17 probably. Yeah, so we we were not entitled to know his sexuality. No one was, and mm-hmm. he was cast because he is a young teen boy who looks exactly the character, acting perfectly, like like as a great actor. And that should for that role, that should have been enough because it is it's a it's a it's about finding yourself. So it wouldn't have mattered because he yeah. could have put himself in that headspace. And also we we're not entitled to that, we're not privy to that information. He didn't even have to he shouldn't have had to come out. And that's totally. the sad part. Like he was forced into it. But it was mainly just the people just being nosy. Like that's the thing. Like people were like, oh well, um like like Kit Connor should definitely be gay if he wants to play a gay character in Heartstopper, but his whole character is about finding yourself totally. and, and and not knowing who you are and not knowing what things mean. And surely that like people who were asking him to come out or asking him to to tell like to let everyone know his sexuality should have watched the fucking show and realized that mm-hmm. the whole thing is about the turmoil that it takes to come out. They remain forcing a young, impressionable actor, giving them abuse, death threats and all of that because yeah. he, he won't disclose his sexuality, which he he literally, legally, but also in a personal level, should never have had to do. I, I, that situation made me really angry at the time. Yeah. And it's the word that you picked out beautifully there, it's entitled, and I think that's that's not, that isn't something that's exclusive to, like, gay fandom. You know what I mean? That is something that's exclusive that all fandom encounters with actors and with properties and with shows they love that they feel entitled to certain things. You know what I mean? This is where I, I want the story to do. Yeah, especially when like Heartstopper had such a big following for it and it's a comic book and obviously the young fans are so obsessed with it and it's amazing and it's such like a cult. I had a bit of a cult following now it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's more in the mainstream and people are really invested in the characters so obviously want the perfect people to play them and in their minds the perfect person had to be just like nick and charlie had to be the same sexualities the same hair color all of these things and then because of that they felt entitled to know everything about the actor but it also translates into like other shows like people feel so entitled to to know everything like all this personal information that you wouldn't want anyone knowing about you, but because they're famous, mm. I think it's your right to know. And I think that's just an, it's a general problem with like film and TV culture anyway. It's the, yeah. actors, the fans, yeah. that is, actors, that is their job. They don't necessarily want to be famous and want to be in the public eye and want to be everyone all up in their business. They just want to play a character and then go. Mm-hmm. Go home. <laughs> but also, this is going to sound really dismissive and I don't mean it to be because I do think there are good points to either side of the debate. But it is acting, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're playing a character. They're a vessel for the character. So it shouldn't be about the person anyway. I think there's two different issues at play, isn't there? Because you talked about, and the valid point is that queer actors maybe do not get the same opportunities that their straight counterparts do in Hollywood. And that is an issue, and that is something that should be resolved. And hopefully, as we go on, that dies out. You know what I mean? 
I think that to put actors in a box, you know what I mean? Because yeah. what I, I personally feel that any actor should be able to play any role because of this. See, as soon as you say that only queer actors can play queer roles, right? It, it then just by default says that straight actors will play straight roles. That is what Hollywood will hear. That is what casting producers will hear. You know what I mean? So I just feel it reduces opportunity in the long run, if that makes sense. I think it's just a really hard line to walk. But the key underlying issue is equal opportunity should be given across the board. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like, something everyone's in the That's all we want. And also, I think studios are getting better at it, though, because, like, see if they're making something, an ad- adaptation for a book or comic mm. or a film, like, something that's well-known, and then they make, and they, they don't cast a queer character in a queer role. Like, they'll get a backlash for it, so now they're doing it. Yeah. Because they know that's what people want. People want representation. People want authenticity. But, so I don't think it's really we don't need to mandate it in that way. But also I, I think if we start vetting people by like about their sexuality for for their job, then it just it's going down a dangerous path. Totally. We're not owed authenticity, is what I always say to people. We're not owed that. I think it's I think it makes the argument for me should be more behind the camera and in roles yeah. sort of making the production because yeah. that's that's really where you're wanting to get the story right that's where you're really wanting to get that representation right is in the writing process and the sort yeah, of like, the process and all of that it doesn't right? matter if you've got a queer actor playing a queer character if all the writers in the writer room are straight nothing like half half of the stuff in, in the content like will not be from a queer perspective you're better having yeah. people on the editorial team people on the filming team people in the casting team who understand the story and to understand what their tra- what the point is totally. rather and then explaining that to an actor but obviously in an ideal world we would everyone would like we would get the perfect actors to play everything but that is not the way yeah. it works and, and like you say it pressures people to come out we saw that firsthand like even the harry the harry styles discourse is a bit different but even that makes me feel a bit icky because i'm like yeah. Never, he's never said his sexuality, you know what I mean, explicitly, and people just seem to have a a major problem with that. Mm-hmm. I I do get it to a certain degree, but I just feel that, especially on the internet, it's pushed to what could potentially be a dangerous point. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's tough, but I've liked this episode for that. I feel we've had we've looked at this movie and we've had some big conversations around it. So, Ag, thank you for coming on, doing that with me tonight. No problem. <laughs> a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, we will be back um, our weekly reviews for my sins of Secret Invasion, uh, which, thank God, that has a little bit of in it. Uh, we'll be out later this week uh, with the next episode. But until then, it's goodbye from me and from Adrian. Bye.